Wow. Every campus, let's put our hands together for Aiken. Aiken, we love you guys. We believe in you. Matt Steelman, we believe in you. Listen, y'all, this is a big deal for me. I grew up in Aiken, and to watch the, the kingdom of God continue to expand, for us to have some, some hand in that, some participation in that, is a big deal. Y'all heard Matt talk about how fun it is every single year when we get to come together in this overflow season, a season of extravagant giving, of great gratitude, to be able to give an offering to watch the kingdom of God move forward through our church, in our, around our state, around our world. The last couple of years, we've seen some pretty big moves with this. A couple of years ago, you know, as the, uh, formerly as the Greenville campus pastor, I got to watch us, you know, see this thing with Eastland come out of the ground, this, this brand new wonderful reality up there in Greenville. And uh, last year, Hilton Head, we were able to pull together to give this offering to get Hilton Head moving down there. I mean, this is just an incredible time. We repeat this every single year to watch God do something brand new in each and every one of us. And for those of you who have done it year over year, you know. Your obedience and generosity with the overflow offering, it ends up doing something miraculous in the financial situation in your own house. Can I get a witness to some of that? So I'm just telling you guys, this is amazing. This is a wonderful season. I look forward to this every single year when we repeat it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the overflow series. Y'all, my name is Lee McDermott. I've been on staff at New Spring Church here for 21 years crazy. I know I, I look so much younger than someone who would be able to, to say that. Uh, just kidding. But uh, I'm just I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity to be able to kick this off and to share with each one of you guys. What I'd love to do, y'all grab a Bible. We're going to get into the scriptures here in just a moment. Before we do that, let's take just a minute and pray together. All right. Lord, we love you. I love you. I'm so thankful to be able to, in some small way, tell the story of your work in our church. And so, Holy Spirit, we honor you. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you. Come reign in us. Abba, Father, I offer myself to you as your vessel. That ain't the other way around. You're not my vehicle for success or any of these other things. I am your vessel. Come indwell me and do whatever you want. Use us, Lord. Strengthen us and teach us today. We honor you. King Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. I'd love for everybody to take out your phone, something to write some things down with. I believe with my whole heart that nobody is here today by accident. And God has got something He wants to say to you today. And I want you, whenever He whispers that thing to you, I want you to be able to write it down, to capture it, to be able to go back and test it, and to see what kind of conversation He wants to pull you into. So would you do that with me? Let's begin this note-taking adventure with this, this first little concept here. I want you to write this down. Overflow is not just something we do. It is who we are. Overflow is not just something we do. It is who we are. Through every stage of our church's history, God's wild and overflowing nature has been a key part of our story. Now, I've had the privilege of being around for almost every minute of it. What began as a small group in a living room and then a rapidly exploding college Bible study has now become a giant expression of the body of Christ in the earth. I am here today to guide us on a journey through our 21-year history in the hopes that God might spark something brand new in you and in me. And so today I want to address really two groups of people. First, for those of you who have been here about as long as I have, I just want to say with this story I hope to honor you and to thank you. 
if a lot of this is not going to be new to you, what I'm, what I'm sharing with you today, but I know God's going to just, he's going to spark something brand new in your life as we hear this story together. And secondly, I want to address anyone who is new to New Spring here. This will be a lot of folks today. I mean, I've heard so many stories of folks moving to South Carolina, moving to Greenville where I live, and just discovering our church for the very first time. If that's you, I want to say welcome. Uh, a part of my role at, at our church is to onboard new staff by walking them through our church's history. I just got to tell you this. I had the opportunity to do that for our Lake Wiley campus worship leader, a guy named Jake Bovey, this week. And, uh, I mean, he's amazing. He happens to be younger than our church, which by association means that Jake is younger than my career at this church, which was just insane for me to think about. Jake's 19 years old. And I'm just watching him as a young worship leader. I couldn't help but go back to that place. When I started at New Spring, I was 22. And so, I mean, this is just, you know, it's an amazing ride. For any of you who are new to this story, I just want to say welcome. What you're going to see in this is, I mean, it's not a perfect story, but I guarantee you, you're going to be blown away about some of the things that God has done for us. And I want to bear witness and testify that all of the ways that God can work, he can absolutely do again. But he may want to do something new. He may want to do a new thing. So, Let's get into the text now. Let's read Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Would you follow along with me? It says this, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Back in the late 1900s, uh, as everything was getting started for us, the core group came together to pick a name for our church. The leading idea at the time for what to call the new church plant was Electric City Community Church. After all, Anderson is called the Electric City, right? Uh, but through those initial discussions, the name New Spring was brought forward by a guy named Terry Wood. He was our original worship leader. Some of you guys who are back, you know, the college Bible study, you might remember Terry, just phenomenal worship leader. And he was reading Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 one day and brought that to the discussion. He said, you know what? God's doing a new thing through our church. Why don't we call it New Spring? And the name stuck. So I can remember those days. The idea of a church that played rock and roll music, embraced, you know, creative and relevant teaching, whose dress code was not just casual, but like college casual. College students, can I, can I get a witness over in here somewhere? College students. Uh, that kind of thing, that kind of church was really rare, you know, in those days. Uh, no one I knew had ever heard of a church like that. I grew up in a really great traditional Baptist church growing up in Aiken. And when I was called into ministry, I felt called to be a music minister, like wearing a suit, directing a choir. I love that kind of thing. It was amazing. But God has something different in store. So beginning a church like New Spring in the late 90s and early 2000s was truly something new. Fantastic for me and all my college buddies. We just roll out of bed and go to, and go to church, right? So I was a music student at Anderson College at the time. We were all there for the very first service, January 16th of 2000. Incredible. I can remember it was relaxed, authentic, but somehow deeply, deeply powerful. We all knew that it was really something special. So I was hired on to be the worship leader uh, later on in that, that uh, by May of my senior year. My first Sunday on the job was literally the day after I graduated from college. There were like 75 people um, in attendance at the Sullivan Building and Anderson College's campus right here. Some of you guys remember that? Yeah, all that. Anderson University students are like, yeah, I know where that is. That's awesome. So we continued growing through that year with most of our congregation made up of college students uh, with enough grown-ups sprinkled in with jobs who could pay the bills. 
Joe and Jen Sangle, can I get a witness? OG, if you were from that age, I just, you know, we, we thank you for your participation. Um, in 2001, you guys, I can remember, we were bursting at the seams in the Sullivan Building. On Good Weather Sunday, some of the guys would open the windows to the building and stand outside to listen in because there wasn't enough room inside. Amazing. All of us in the band would sit on the floor wherever we could find space. And check out this, you guys. I mean, so that's me there with the hair. You guys, I was so skinny back in those days. If I stick up my tongue, I'd look like a zipper. I mean, it was just crazy. That mop of hair, which who knows where that's gone to. And that's my brother John next to me. Joel Yates in the back. Jason Wilson is one of the Anderson campus staff. Jason is a phenomenal drummer. I bet y'all didn't know that about him. He's fantastic. Uh, I know miracles can happen because all four of those guys today are married and have children to the, to the answered prayers of, a thou, of all of our moms. Um, amazing. Miracles on miracles. But y'all, at that time, we were just too big for the space. We needed to move. So we stepped out on faith, took our congregation of just over 100 into the Rainy Fine Arts Center, which is right there. Yeah, here's that. <laughs> Thank you, Anderson, Anderson University students here at the Anderson campus today for your participation in this message. This is amazing. Um, when we moved there, it was like putting BBs in a boxcar. Y'all, that's what we called it back in the day. That room felt so huge. Everything was about to change, though. Some of y'all remember this. We had grown slowly but surely in the spring of 2002, continuing to simply do the same thing. We're just trying to be the new spring that God had invited us to be. We'd grown to about 500 every Sunday. And uh, by August of that year, something wild happened. On one Sunday, we had 500 people. On the next Sunday, we had nearly 1,000. And at the end of six weeks, we were seeing 1,500 people regularly in attendance, tripling in size in six weeks. It made everybody's head spin. It was, it was crazy. Things didn't slow down from there. I can remember people wrapped around the building in line to get in the service, cars lined up around the block. It was wild. That was really our first taste of God being an overflowing God, his overflowing thing of what he does. That was our first taste of it, making a way in the wilderness, putting rivers in a desert. So we knew pretty quickly from there that we needed to buy some land, build something, anything that could become a permanent home for our rapidly expanding family. So we bought a cow pasture right here out toward the interstate and made some plans to begin building. All the while, we continued to grow like crazy, seeing people meet Jesus every single week. By the time we entered that new facility in February of 2006, we had grown to around 4,000 people every single week. Crazy. Stepping into that new facility was like a dream come true. All the first six years had been a blur, seeing the church explode, thousands of people saved, God overflowing in his grace to us. And we would soon find out he was just getting started. So in that same year, later that fall, we doubled in size again. In one month, we went from 4,000 to 8,000 just here in Anderson. Crazy. Even as I recount those days, I just shake my head in disbelief. It was all dizzying. But every time during that season we went back to that source of our name, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, we were like, yeah, this makes sense. This is what God is. This is who he is. This is what he does. God was doing a new thing right in front of our eyes and we could see it. He was opening the doors of people's hearts that no one would ever think would darken the door of a church. And he was flowing his living water right through the deserted lives all around us. We got a taste in that season of his irresistible power. And laid our hands to the plow with even more reckless abandon. In 2007, in 2008, about 1,500 people were driving to Anderson for church every weekend from Greenville. So we decided to take a risk and test out the newly emerging campus model of church. The technology for live streaming uh, was catching up and it seemed that the wind was with us. 
So we launched our Greenville campus at the Roper Mountain Road location that summer. My wife, Allie, was actually at the first service we ever had at the Greenville campus. Later that year, we launched Florence. I can remember Sam Mitchell uh, leading worship with only his acoustic guitar down at the auditorium of Francis Marion University. And I saw earlier, Sam is playing that exact guitar today uh, as, as he's leading worship in Florence today. But here's the crazy thing about that year. We launched these two campuses. Everything begins to explode yet again for our church right in the middle of the financial crisis. Everybody is panicking. Things are shaking all around us. And what we see is God doing his thing again. Rivers in a wasteland. Ways in a wasteland. Rivers in the desert. He was overflowing with abundance toward us in that season. From there, we just kept taking ground, y'all. Columbia in 2009. Who else from Columbia remembers Cornerstone Church? Charleston in 2011. Uh, who else remembers the convention center down there? I remember in 2012, we launched Spartanburg. Who else remembers the Marriott? In, 20, in 2012, Myrtle Beach, uh, meeting at Coastal Carolina and then at the high school. And before the year ended, like a Christmas present, Greenwood was launched at that facility down there in Greenwood. Praise the Lord. I can remember things speeding up and speeding up. In 2014, we opened the Bowling Springs campus and the Lexington campus. And then in 2015, we opened eight campuses in one year. Powdersville, Aiken, Clemson, Hilton Head, Greer, Northeast Columbia, Simpsonville, Rock Hill, and Sumter. Wow. By January of 2016, we had become one of the fastest growing and most influential churches in the world. Multitudes flocking to church. Thousands being saved. But there was something else in that season under the surface eroding the foundation. I, I can remember occasionally one of us would catch a hint that something was off, but we would just you know brush it aside because of the explosive fruitfulness all around us. We had grown so large, so fast, that I think really in some sense we, we fell into the trap of believing that the promises in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 were not, it wasn't God speaking, it was actually us speaking. It was us saying, I am going to make, New Spring is going to make a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. We got it twisted, you guys. We began to take things into our own hands and believe thoughts like this. We thought that empty seats at optimal hours equals growth. It's just a math equation. We thought that every church is just one or two difficult decisions away from doubling in size. We thought if every church just does what we do, they'll explode and overflow like us. We thought that if we just continue running our same play, building our kingdom, the growth would continue to be up and to the right. This is pride. Hubris. The undisciplined pursuit of more. At that moment, if we're being honest about it, we were concerned with our own name more than the name of Jesus, more than the real kingdom, the kingdom of God. We consistently fell into the trap of trying to build God's church for him, prayerless and operating out of our own strength. We racked up a ton of debt along the way under the lie that if you're really doing something great for God, your, your back will always be against the wall financially. And as I've considered that, I think really, that, that's nowhere in the Bible. We followed common sense business wisdom over the still small voice of God through those years. And family, if you're looking for someone to blame, if you're looking for anyone to blame for that, look right here. I did as much as anybody to further each and every one of those ideas. 
And amazingly, all the while, God's still saving people. He's still rescuing because he cannot help himself. He will always be true to his promises. Many of you were saved. Many of you were called into ministry during that season. And that's just proof to me that God's calling is human proof. Not even pride can get in the way of it. I honor those salvations. I honor those callings to ministry during that season. Because here's the deal, y'all. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. In 2016, as many of you can recall, our founding pastor, Perry Noble, was released from his role as senior pastor. Perry made choices regarding his marriage and his consistent use and dependence on alcohol that disqualified him from the role of senior pastor. He was unwilling to accept our help, to be held accountable, to submit to any real authority in his life. This decision was more deeply difficult and grieving than anything we had faced up to that moment. Through grueling, months-long conversations with our board of directors, our elders, multiple pastors of trusted churches who partnered with us in ministry, and the wise professional counselors, it became clear that the only option was to release Perry as the senior pastor from the church that he planted. I have to pause here for just a second and honor what God did through Perry. What God did in and through him played a massive role in my life and who I am today. And for that, I am forever grateful. This pride and hubris, it got us off track. We all share some of the responsibility. In that year, we had to look the reality of the death of New Spring Church in the face. But not only did God prove his overflowing nature to us by the growth that we had experienced up to that point, we knew him to be an overflowing God in that season by the mercy he poured out on us. The hurt, the pain of all of that is still around. I still feel the grief of it. I would not want to go through any of that again. But let me tell you something. For all the things that we've experienced since 2016 to now, I would not trade it for anything. So many dreams that I've always had about our church, even, even the ones that I had like in those early, early years, I see them all coming up out of the ground right now in this moment. Glory to God. Now, we had to have a moment of genuine repentance there at that point. We didn't care a lick about other churches around us. We didn't care. We thought that we were God's answer for revival in every city that we entered. And we thought that everything God poured out for us was for us. And all of a sudden, God was giving, this, giving us this moment to be able to repent, to change how we think, and to see that the kingdom of God was operating in every city, and we needed to get on board, open our hands, and then see that the revival that's coming for our state and for every city is not going to be celebrated by any name other than one name, Jesus Christ. And that we had the opportunity to partner with other people and to embrace an inheritance of unity everywhere, to see even more people saved, to see something brand new. We had to repent of that. We had to think differently about racism, think differently about chauvinism, think differently about, about wealth and all of the different things that come along with that. It was no longer in this American celebrity culture engine. We had to think differently. God held up a mirror to our faces, and he let us see what we had become. His overflowing kindness and mercy to us helped us turn a much-needed corner. 
And with his insight and wisdom and help, we made a few critical decisions that are guiding where we are right now. We would not have been able to make these decisions any other way. So out of that season, we chose to follow God's direction to do leadership and teaching as a team. Because what we discovered was the celebrity culture in America likes to eat pastors and their families. Um, it, is, it is a toxic reality that for our generations that are coming, we have to think differently and make different choices. We also had to, to understand that we had to get out of the nearly $50 million worth of debt that we were in. We made a decision to tithe, finally, as a church, to give away 10% of everything that comes in. Previous to that, in any given year, we'd never really given away more than about 3%. But we needed to give away 10% to churches, to organizations, to missions around the globe. And we were not going to obtain any additional debt for any future construction. God humbled us, and in his overflowing mercy, he gave us a chance to start over again, to become a new thing, and to see with new eyes and fresh vision. Y'all, I can remember painfully, those years brought on some serious consequences. We had to merge Boiling Springs back with Spartanburg, Lexington back with Columbia, and we had to close our Sumter campus. These were heartbreaking decisions. Heartbreaking. They involved the lives of real people. This is the cost of pride and hubris. That's what it costs. That's what it costs. But God was giving us an opportunity to grow up as a church, to face responsibility with bravery, and to embrace his overflowing mercy yet again. So everybody breathe with me. Let's look again at this scripture, this namesake scripture. Let's turn to Isaiah 43 and let's examine it one more time. We're going to expand it to get more context around it. Let's start at verse 16 now. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they're extinguished, quenched like a wick. He's referencing Israel's deliverance from Egypt here through the Red Sea. God says, verse 18, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I form for myself, that they might declare my praise. In preparing this message, I got to take a second look at this passage. And God gave this word to the nation of Israel in a time of relative peace and security. This was during the reign of Hezekiah. And this word basically did two things. First, it hinted at some bad times ahead for them. 150 years into the future, the Israelites would be exiles in Babylon and face hardship unlike any they had known before. And secondly, it foretold that God would rescue them and in dramatic fashion. Let me ask you this question. How would you feel if God told you, you know what, things are okay in your life for now, but one day you are going to go through hell on earth. But I have already written rescue into your story. It will be a new thing, wilder and crazier than the way that I rescued you in the first place. God wrote his rescue into their story, Israel, before they ever lived one minute of it. And that's the message for New Spring Church. God wrote rescue into our namesake passage before we would ever face any crisis. He went ahead and decreed, I'm going to save you in one way, and then you're going to go through some things, and then I'm going to save you in a completely different way later on. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, that is a word for your life. No matter what you are going through right now, God has already written the rescue in advance for where you are. 
If you find yourself in the middle of captivity in any way, shape, or form, listen to me. God is saying to you today, you can forget the way I saved you in the beginning. Because the way I'm coming to save you in the future, it is going to blow your mind. And it is going to bring me glory from the mouths of the people around you when they see the miracle that I pour out in your life. After 2016, I can remember there were exciting realities right in front of us that we never would have had eyes for. In 2017, after nearly a decade of load-in, load-out church at the Greenville Convention Center, we were able to become one family with the wonderful saints at Eastland Baptist Church. I had a front-row seat for all of that. Praise the Lord. What a miracle. We began a journey of adoption and merger with them. And, I mean, it's just this brand-new thing on the hill up there in Greenville. In 2019, the same thing happened for our Northeast Columbia campus as we adopted and merged with Radiant Life. God was overflowing once again, doing a new thing. Now, earlier this year, we were able to open our Greenville campus at Eastland and were able to buy and renovate a new home for our Hilton Head campus, all paid for in cash, staying true to our commitments to God not to take on any new debt. Through the pandemic, I can remember God gave us so much favor in how we were able to serve people through New Spring at Home, and not just through that, but to other churches, organizations who wanted to do things virtually online. We were able to give away so much help to organizations to be able to meet needs in our community. Because it was no longer about us. We were no longer concerned with our name being the biggest name around in the conversation. God's promises are true, y'all. He is an overflowing God since 2016. We have reduced our debt from nearly 50 million to 15 million. Incredible. Paid in cash for three campuses, and we have given away more than $20 million to support local and global churches and nonprofits. Y'all, I hesitate, I hesitate to even bring that stuff up because I can feel the lure of pride inside it all. But I bring it up because you have to know about it. You have to know this story. You have to know what God brought us through and the choices that he helped us to make. You have to know how he has grown us up because it is going to prepare us for the future ahead. These are things that we must talk about and tell you to celebrate the glory of God and to help you understand how we got to this place. So... If we're going to see God do a new thing in the future, if we're going to lean into our namesake even more for the next leg, we have to do a little bit of forgetting. So I want you to write this down. Miracles make memories, but faith requires forgetting. Now, when I say forgetting, I don't want you to think amnesia. When I say forgetting, I want you to think in a different concept. The opposite of remember in this case, is not forget, but dismember. So when I think about all of these old memories, all the old miracles, the way that God works, what I want to do is I want to decapitate them from any power they have to put God in a box in my life in the future. Do you all understand what I'm saying? So we can't forget some of these things, but we need to remove their power so they don't hinder us from experiencing all the miracles God has in the future. In Isaiah 43, what God's telling Israel is that the way I'm going to rescue is not only going to be a new thing, it's going to be an opposite thing. Think about this. At 16, it says, I am the God who makes a way through the sea. But then he says, forget, forget that. Remember not, because when I come to rescue you again, I'm going to put a river in a desert. The opposite. When New Spring first started, everything that was going on in our church felt like something that was totally different. It was completely opposite of where we come from, the traditional church in, the, in, that, in that era. And now again, God is pulling us into this thing, being like, okay, you guys are 21 years old now. 
I'm going to give you the opportunity to do some things that may feel opposite from where you're coming. It's no longer going to be about marketing. It's no longer going to be about your name being the highest name in any city. It's no longer even going to be only strictly about Sunday and the gathering. I'm going to give you a heart for discipleship to give people roots so that when the whole world starts shaking, they will be unshakable. Everyone, everywhere, in an everyday relationship with God. It is not, it, we do everyone in our church a disservice if we just say, we just want to get you saved, and that's it. We have a responsibility to help you experience every last inch of what God wants to give to you in your life. Salvation is the starting line. Discipleship is the key for you being able to weather any earthquake that might come in the days ahead. That's it. That's it. We never would have thought in those terms before this. Whatever God has planned for us in the future, brothers and sisters, we want it. Whatever this new thing is, whatever, however different it is, it is still going to be seeing thousands of people saved. Trust me. It is still going to be overflowing. That's a part of our DNA. We're never going to get away from that. But the method of it may look so different from where we have been before. I'm just telling you guys, we've got to forget the former things so that we don't resist the new thing that God is trying to give us. Amen to that. What if our ideas of what he can do are just simply outdated and too small? Listen, y'all, we had some, we feel like some words from the Lord back in the day about 100,000, about seeing our, you know, all of these people coming to church. I believe those are true words for our church as long as we're willing to not have our name attached to it. We've been given a vision for 2030 to see 10 churches launched out of this campus. They're not going to be called New Spring Church. But they will carry some, some seed of the DNA of what God has done here in order to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's not happening if we're still in the way. God is giving us new eyes and a new heart to see it. God is speaking through Isaiah 43 for us yet again. We hit, he wants us to forget. He says, I'm about to do a new thing. I'm turning everything on its head, working miracles again so that people far from God, a new generation, might not be lost Overflow ultimately is not about bigger buildings. It's not about more campuses necessarily. It's not even ultimately primarily about discipling people or seeing people saved, even though that is the necessary fruit of it. Overflow at its core is about the character and nature and glory of God himself. It is about the transformation of the world around us. It's about revival in our cities that leads to the next great awakening. The changing of not just one nation, but every nation. I remember every moment in our church's history. I remember all of those times, but it's time for me to forget. It's time for me to lay those old things to bed so that I can look forward into the future. It's time for me to look at the doors that are closed, the walls that seem impenetrable, and hear the rumbling of heaven's equipment as it prepares to make new roads. It's time for me to look again at the dry places in the cities where we live and to perhaps smell the rain that's coming. If you're a part of New Spring, then Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, it's not just a word for New Spring. It's a word for you. It's a word for you. Everywhere you go, you carry that. It's a part of your DNA. It's your middle name. When you go to the grocery store, at work, or at school, wherever you are, you are bringing that way in the wilderness, that river in the, in the desert with you. And everywhere you step, life, abundant is rising up out of the dusty ground. 
Write this down. Overflow is not just something you do. It is who you are. As we walk through these next few weeks, y'all, we want you to see how God's wired overflow and abundance into your DNA and how he wants to move that DNA into your daily life. So, would you pray with me? It's time to listen to God. Father, we thank you. I thank you that you are God who speaks and you are God who hears. And I pray that you'd speak to us now in Jesus' name. Brothers and sisters, I have two questions for you. And I'd love for you to write down, as you ask these questions in your soul, write down what God says. What is God saying to you? And what do you need to do about it? What's God saying to you? And what do you need to do about it? We're going to take just a second to be able to hear from him. Just listen. Ask that question and then write down whatever he says. He's speaking. He's here right now. What's God saying to you? The last couple of years for some of you have been seasons of such upheaval and shaking and you need to hear God say, I want to give you an unshakable kingdom. For some of you guys, every single morning, it is in the natural, it's dark. And today, of all days, the time is changing. This is not just a natural reality for you. Today, God wants to tell you, my mercy is awakening for you in the morning. And these mornings are going to be filled with lightness of spirit. What's God saying to you right now? You can hear him. What's he inviting you to do? Is there somebody that you need to reconcile with? Is there somebody you need to get some things right with? Maybe bury the hatchet. Turn it loose. If you keep on remembering everything that's happened in your past, you'll never have eyes for a future that is so much more wildly abundant. It's time to let go. It's time to open your hands and let go. What's God saying to you? What do you need to do today about it? For some of you, the last couple of years, God has blessed you so wildly that it makes your head spin. He wants to talk to you about that. What's he saying to you? What do you need to do about it? Everyone at every campus, would you stand with me as our ministry teams come forward to the front? This is a moment. We're going to have a moment to where we can receive prayer, where we can receive care. We're going to sing this song together in just a moment. Behold, you are doing a new thing. Yes, we will believe. You're making ways in the wasteland, turning rivers into streams. And so in just a moment, in this quiet, while there are people down front, I just want to invite you to move. To step out of your seat, reject the idea that you have to handle all of these issues alone and let somebody pray for you. I want to invite you to step out into the aisle and come down and kneel and repent. Do your own measure of repenting. Come and get things right with God. Why not now? Why not today? We're at the change of a critical season, and this is your moment. God wants to meet you here. So when I pray, would you come? When I'm done praying, would you come? Lord, I thank you. 
You are a God who always stands with your arms wide open to receive your children. And so, God, we come to you now. You put your yes on the table with Jesus on the cross so many years ago. And I thank you for that way in the wilderness, that river in the desert. The blood of Jesus Christ has made a new Garden of Eden for each one of us. And so, God, we receive it yet again and ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us soft hearts for repentance even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come? Everyone, every campus, would you come?